uh, welcome to General Conference Conversations, the podcast where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm your host, Kaylin, and I'm super excited to be here with you studying the words of our living prophets, apostles, and chosen leaders. I've loved listening to podcasts about Come Follow Me, and I saw a need for a podcast centered around the General Conference talks. Um, I'm not a scholar, I'm not an expert, I'm a 20-something who just simply adores the gospel. The things I discuss are my opinions. Um, As one of my favorite podcasts, At Last She Said It, often says, your mileage may vary. In addition to my connections and thoughts, I will include a list of questions at the end of every episode as a place to start with your own deeper study of each talk. And I hope this podcast will be a jumping off point as you apply these principles to your life. In that spirit, I invite you to read and study today's talk before listening to this episode. Listen for what the Lord is saying to you personally. Then come join me for a beautiful discussion together. Hello, hello. I'm back. We're back. Um, I know you guys don't care, but you know, I'll tell you anyway. I was going to record yesterday to, you know, keep on my streak of actually doing on the days I wanted to post, but I got on to, um, the church website to pull up general conference, and it was like, this service is not available. Like, the rest of it was totally fine, but trying to get onto the gospel library part of it was just, it just, it was like, the server is not found, and I was like, um, okay. Um, and I would just do it on my phone, but I also record on my phone. And, um, the last time I tried recording and, (laughs) um, having my gospel library app up, I would, like, switch between the two apps I used to record and the one I used to, you know, obviously got the gospel library app. Um, it was fine for, like, a half an hour, and then I, like, switched back at one point and I don't know when it had stopped recording but it stopped recording and like didn't save any of the last 35 minutes <laughs> and so I gave up that day and I, I did it the next day but um so I just had that fear of like doing that again and having that happen again because it was awful so I'm here today um and today we're talking about um I hope I don't butcher his name. Iducitus, Elder Iducitus. Um, it's the Saturday afternoon session, and his talk's called "Lift Lift Up Your Heart and Rejoice." And um, of course, as always, I encourage you to listen to or read the talk before you listen to this episode, to you know bring your own thoughts to this. Any concerns or questions you might have um, that I could add to, or maybe not. But, um, getting that, your, your own personal evolution first. So, um, I guess we'll jump right in. So, this is another talk about missionary work, um, and specifically, like, encouraging youth to go on missions, which we've already had a couple of those. Um, President Nelson talked about it almost the very first talk. Elder Ballard? Oh, yes, sorry, President Ballard. He talked about that. 
Um, I know I'm forgetting one that talked about that, but it's another one um, talking about the gathering of Israel. And I'll probably end up seeing a lot of the same things that I did in those two episodes, because <laughs> I have thoughts on missions. Um, but there are some new things that I, I thought of as I was reading through this particular talk. Um, and I'm going to remind everybody again that like you don't have to be a set-apart missionary to be a missionary. You don't have to be a, uh, a full-time missionary to gather Israel. Um, and I think like I like that he he starts with that actually. He starts talking he starts by talking about Thomas B. Marsh, who is a recent convert, and in the Doctrine and Covenants, um, Joseph Smith is like like asks for you know as he did for many people would go to the Lord, uh, for certain people, and the Lord would give revelation to specific people by name in the Doctrine and Covenants, which I think is really cool. And he says, the Lord said encouragingly, lift up your heart and rejoice, sorry, for the hour of your mission is come. And then he says, I believe this invitation can serve as an invitation for all members of the church. After all, we have each received from our Heavenly Father the mission of gathering Israel on both sides of the veil. And so I want to echo that, like, oh no. Oh, it's not letting me open my notes. Why is it not letting me open my notes? Anyway, I want to echo that. Like, we have all received um, the mission of gathering Israel on both sides of the mail. Not just missionaries. Um, that was something that was drilled into our heads as missionaries that I don't always think is... Um, announced to the members (laughs) a whole lot or like drilled into the membership a whole lot is that missionaries are there to support member missionary work like yes we are called we are called and set apart to teach the gospel to prepare people to be baptized like that is our mission to invite others to come into Christ and our job specifically is to teach people um not our, I'm not a missionary, I keep saying our, missionary's job, <laughs> I just, you know, flashback to being in my mission for a second, because I was very passionate about this, missionary's job is to teach people, um, and so I feel like we've kind of gotten into this, as a church, we've gotten into this habit of like, oh, well, missionaries are missionaries, they're doing missionary work, so they're going to do, you know, they're going to find, teach, baptize, and retain all converts all by themselves. Like that's their that's their job. And we forget that like we have a huge role as members of the church to play in that. Um it's hard to find as a missionary. Tracting, knocking on doors is awful. And it's not usually effective. <laughs> and you know, we cannot retain recent converts all by ourselves because, by ourselves, my goodness, missionaries cannot retain recent converts all by themselves because they leave. They, they, they get transferred, you know, six weeks, 12 weeks, you know, nine months, like, they don't stay 
for very long. Um, I know very, very few missionaries who, you know, were able to find, teach, and baptize someone from start to finish while in the same area. Like, a lot of it, usually it happens that, you know, you, you find someone and you teach them for a little bit and then you get transferred. Or if this person's already been found and you teach them while you're there and then you get transferred. Or, you know, you're there at least until they're baptized and then you leave. Or sometimes you get them right, right as they're getting baptized. You get into the area right as they're getting baptized and you get to, you know, do the recent convert lessons, new member lessons and things like that and kind of be the support but even then, then you leave. <laughs> like, a missionary will always get transferred or go home. At least within 18 months, right? And so the people that are there for the long haul are the members in that ward who need to take that recent cumber under their wing. And especially if they're the only person in their family, right? They don't have somewhere to go to for FHE. They don't have somewhere to go for Sunday dinner. They don't have somewhere to go for blessings you know like taking that responsibility really seriously um that's my big spiel right like yes missionaries are going to find teach baptize and help with the recent like that they're gonna do all of that but they need help because you know they can't do all that on their own um and so help the missionaries (laughs) Um, and I challenge you, I invite you to, you know, reach out to the the missionaries in your ward and ask what they need. Do they need somebody to come to lessons with them? Do they need somebody to fellowship a specific person that they're teaching so that they have friends in the ward? Or, you know, do you know someone they can go visit? Even if it's just, I don't want to say, even if it's just a member, but like, even if it's a member, like, that is also missionary work. That is retaining converts, right? Um, and that's missionary work for you as well to reach out to the people in your ward who, you know, members in your ward, in your family, in your life, that you know that's also missionary work, that you know they're, they're struggling with their testimony or they're struggling with something in their lives, Right? To reach out and remind them that they are loved by you, by God, by Jesus Christ. Um, so yeah, okay, that was my, you know, eight minute spiel. <laughs> Let's move on. So, so he talks about like, there are many worthy causes in the world, but like the world or the cause of, um, salvation um makes an eternal difference to all um and so he re he quotes president nelson um who said that our heavenly father has reserved many of his most noble spirits perhaps his finest finest team for this final phase those noble spirits those finest players those heroes are you uh, and this he said specifically to the youth. It was a worldwide devotional to the youth. Um, but this is for everybody, right? <laughs> like, we've been told this our whole lives. I've been told this my whole life. 
like you've been reserved for this time. And I think that's true of everybody throughout time and throughout history, right? Like Adam was reserved for that time. He was, you know, prepared to be Adam. Um, and, you know, we have all been kept for the great winding up scenes, as they always say, right? To facilitate the gathering of Israel and um, to remind the world that Jesus Christ loves them. And that he's there and that, you know, all of that jazz. So, this is when he starts. He says, there, while there are many ways to help in the gathering, I would like to speak of one in particular for the serving as a full-time missionary. And so again, he says, while there are many help, ways to help in the gatherings, so there are all, always other ways. There's um, being a member missionary, doing temple work, right, on and on. Um, he says, but the world tries to distract youth from this most sacred responsibility using fear and insecurities. Some other distractions might be experiencing a pandemic, leaving a good job, putting off education, or being particularly interested in someone romantically. Everyone will have his or her own set of challenges. Such distractions can arise at precisely the time of embarking in the service of the Lord, and choices that seem obvious later are not always as easy in the moment. I relate to this so hard (laughs) and I've talked in I've said in in earlier episodes that what I love about what Elder Idukaitis says in his talk is he's not he's not super pushy about it like he's saying this is the greatest experience you'll ever have Um, but he doesn't say you know he doesn't repeat the same thing over and over of like every young man should go and every young woman if they want to should go just like that kind of constant barrage of like you should go on a mission you should go on a mission you should go on a mission to fulfill your member like your duty as a member of the church to fulfill your your priesthood ordination um, which can put a lot of pressure on people right (laughs) and culturally we also put a lot of pressure on people to go on a mission because you know, in certain places and with certain people, they won't even date you if you're not an RM. They won't marry you if you're not an RM. I mean, how many lists did I make in Young Women's of, you know, my ideal husband? And all of them were like, oh, you should put a being a return missionary on your list. Even if I had no idea what that entailed, right? I had no idea why that would imp- impact who my future husband was as a person. And... Like, I did marry an RM. I met my husband on my mission. Like, he served in the same mission as I did. Um, And certainly, like, we have a lot in common because of that. But I don't... Oh, I, I won't say none of his qualities are because of you as a missionary, because some of them are. Um, or some of them were, like, amplified because he was a missionary. But it's not... I didn't marry him because he's a missionary. Right? I didn't marry him because he served a mission. Um, <clears throat> and so I think a lot of pressure can be put on youth. Um, socially, not just spiritually. Like, 
okay, spiritual pressure, fine, like, say, hey, it will be really good for your spiritual journey, and can magnify your priesthood, you can learn to serve God and serve people, um, but the cultural pressure, I feel like, needs to really go away, of this, like, oh, you have to serve 18 to 24 months, like, coming home early is a disgrace, and, I feel like rhetoric around that has kind of changed, especially with the pandemic. A lot of people came home early because it wasn't their and it wasn't their choice. I think people realized finally started realizing that oh, it's not always like you don't always come home because of some like <laughs> sin or you know breaking rules action. Sometimes it is mental health and that's okay. Sometimes it's health and that's okay, and sometimes it's just not your choice, and that's okay, um, and that even if you, you know, only served two or three months or six weeks, like, you did serve a full-time mission, it wasn't 18 to 24 months, but it was your full-time mission, um, but, like, I think that needs to continue to change, like, that needs to continue to be a conversation of, like, it's okay to come home early if that's what's best for you, if that's what, you know, the spirit is telling you, if that's what your body is telling you, if that's what's best for you. And I also love he talks about um, service missionaries. That's a really big um, thing, and it's becoming more more so, and I really love that. There's another option for people who maybe can't afford going on a full-time mission or can't, like, physically and mentally handle going on a full-time mission, which I totally get. Um And so, they have another option. Um, all of that being said, I loved my mission. I, I, de- I absolutely think everybody should go on a mission because it was a fantastic... I shouldn't say that. I don't think everybody should go on a mission. That's going to be controversial, but there you go. Like, I don't think it's for everybody. Um, I loved my mission. I grew and learned so much from my mission. I met my husband on my mission, right? Like, it was a great 18 months. But it was also really, really hard. And so I don't... It's really... It's up to you. And you and your relationship with Heavenly Father. And that's the only... That's the only relationship and the only answer that should count and and that should be taken seriously is your um, answer that you get for if and when you go on a mission, whether that's right when you turn 18 or 19, or whether you wait a couple of years, or whatever. Um, I also totally understand his whole point here is distractions, right? Um, when I went on my mission, so I was planning on leaving in the fall, um, I had studied abroad, I, I was going to go right when I turned 19, and I decided to finish my associate's degree, just because it was going to be a better kind of, like, ending point, that I would have a degree when I came back, and I wouldn't have to, like, reapply and go back to ICC, or, like, go back to my community college, whatever, um, so I'd have a degree, done, dusted, like, kid hand to a university for a university and say here I have I have an associate's degree um it should kind of be easier to kind of tie up loose ends when I got home um I also my last semester I studied abroad in England which was really good because it was I kind of call it my mission test run it was three months I lived in a different country like there was no way I could come home 
I mean, obviously, there's always a way I can come. <laughs> Duh. But it wasn't like I could just drive home for the weekend, right? Um, so, yeah, I was in a different country. Um, different culture, different foods, different, like, whatever. Um, and I was away from home for that whole three months. And so it was. It was kind of my, my mission test run. It was really good. And then, so I was like, hey, I'll get home from studying abroad. I'll, I'll take the summer to, you know, work and save money. I had some stuff to pay off. Um, I wanted to kind of prepare a little bit. And um, I had to wait a couple months for all of my, like, grades and stuff to get back from England. And so I was like, cool, I'll put my mission papers, start putting my mission papers in in, like, September. Well, it didn't really happen that way. <laughs> um, my bishop at the time had just been called. He'd only been bishop for like four months. Um, so I was his first missionary that he sent out. So he was trying to figure out how to do everything because he'd never done it before. His daughter was also in the hospital for a few weeks. And so I couldn't get in to see him, which is obviously not his fault. Um, it took a while. I had to get wisdom teeth taken out. I had to wait to get in to see my doctor. I had to wait to get to see my dentist. Just like a lot of things, right? And then I had to, I finally got the interviews done with my bishop and stake president. And it was like the week before Christmas that I ended up setting my papers in. I didn't get my call until February and I didn't leave until April. So it was almost six months after I, you know, was thinking I would go to when I actually left. Um, And in that time, (laughs) like, I've he pointed out so many things and I was like that one, that one, that one I really loved my job I was working my parents on a pizza restaurant and they were looking at expanding to new locations and I was looking at you know being part of the corporate team that did that like training and and helping on the back end of things um, which is really exciting to me I had finally found a friend group through church we actually had a there were like no YSA in my entire stake, <laughs> in my entire state, <laughs> like there was just none, um, and so we, in my ward, we actually had a group of like five or six YSA that consistently went to activities, it consistently, we had, um, come follow me every week at one of the, one of the YSA's house, um, and so I was like consistently spending time with people and hanging out with people outside of work or school, and, um, and my papers were taking forever, and, you know, all this stuff, and I just remember being like, why now? You know, why couldn't I have gone in in September when, you know, I didn't have all this distraction, I didn't have all this good stuff, you know, why are you kind of teasing me, right, why are you teasing me with all this stuff? Um, and like he said at the end, the choices that seem obvious later are not always, not always as easy in the moment, like, I think back to my mission and all of the blessings and friendships I made on my mission far outweighed and outsoared the things I would have had if I had stayed home, right? I, again, I met my husband. Like, I'm here right now because of that. And um, I have incredible friends that I mean, I'm super close to. I have an incredible support group that I can reach out to at any moment and they will drop whatever they're doing to tell me that they love me. And 
just on and on and on and on and on, right? Like this list. But in the moment, it was really, really rough. Um, and I feel like that's really, it's, the timing is never great, right? Like, it just, it just doesn't always, but if you feel like you should, like, it's all gonna work out. And I, I can promise you that. Um, that the Lord has something great in mind for you, whatever choice you make, whatever outcome comes of it. So, um, so he talks about his experience. <laughs> he, um, he talks about, he makes a couple jokes like, my dentist tried to teach me out of it, or talk me out of it. Um, I was in a university program, and the university programs in Brazil are tough because the only way to get into those, uh, into that program was a really competitive examination, and if I left for two years, or they told they told me they told me he couldn't leave for two years. They're like only a year, um, and if you come back at two years, then you have to re- retake the examination, or um, you know you could be absent for one year and then apply for an exemption um, for another year, but it w- there was no guarantee that it would be prove- approved. Um, and he was like, I was also interested in a young woman. <laughs> like, it's rough to leave for two years, right? It's a big commitment. Um, but then, I, I absolutely adore this, this section. He says, but the Lord Jesus Christ was my great inspiration not to be afraid of the future as I strove to serve him with all my heart. He also had a mission to fulfill. In his words, he explained, for I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And was his mission easy? Of course not. His suffering, which was an essential part of his mission, caused him, even God the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer body, both body and spirit, and would that he might not drink the, the bitter cup and shrink. Nevertheless, glory be to the Father, and he partook and finished his preparations unto the children of men. Serving a soul full-time mission may seem difficult to us. Perhaps it requires that we give up important things for a moment. The Lord certainly knows this, and he will always be by your side. And I really, really adored that because that's also something I learned a lot on my mission was being empathetic to like people going through things that are way harder than what I'm going through. Um, or things that are very similar to what I'm going through. Or things that are not at all what I'm going through, right? Like, but having the empathy to be like, I have no idea the pain that you're feeling, but I love you and I will sit with you and cry with you. I will mourn with you. Like, I truly learned what it meant to fulfill my baptismal covenant and mourn with those that mourn and stand with those and stand in living cover and truly take upon myself the name of Christ and being his messenger and his hands to lift up people and to um to hug them and make them feel loved um and that is one massive like you start to realize what the Lord went through like obviously we will not never <laughs> truly understand everything that he he did for us right because we're not him and we have very mortal brains that cannot comprehend the immense power and the immense size of the atonement and everything that it covers and does but 
you know, we can start to understand what it's like to um, see suffering in the world, to feel that, to, to suffer ourselves, and to be able to be like, wow, if this sucks for me, like, I can't imagine how this thing is sucking for you, <laughs> right? Like, that sympathy, that empathy, putting ourselves in other people's shoes, and um, truly, truly seeing through their eyes, at least a little bit, you know, we're, obviously we're never going to know 100% what somebody is feeling, but just a glimpse into their lives and what they're going through. Um, and I don't think you, you necessarily need to go on a mission to do that. Um, it's definitely a, a heightened experience, right? Heightened and very specific and, um, it's unlike any other experience because, you know, where else are you sent to a random location that you don't get to choose and stuck with somebody that you've never met before for 24 hours a day for six, six weeks or more, um, teaching people about Jesus (laughs) for 18 to 24 months, like, where else do you do that? Nowhere, right? And so obviously it is a unique unique experience, and it's much more concentrated and much more, um, like, you know, during those 18 months, it's, like, accelerated. It's, like, it's, like, it's, like, when I took, when I was in college, I took, um, what did they call them? It was like a mini course or something. I can't remember exactly what they call them. Oh, they call them mini semesters. It's like a semester, but a mini semester. And it was in between semesters. So if you wanted to take like one or two classes, I think you could only take one at a time. It depended on like what times they had them. But I ended up taking an English class between my first and second semester of college. And um, it was a mini semester. And so it was three weeks but one of those weeks was Christmas so I think it ended up only being like 14 days or 15 days or something like that and we would be in class from I think it was like 9 a.m to like 2 p.m and and it was like a full semester scrunched into 13 days um the only way I got through that was because I was really good at English (laughs) like I was an English major, and it was, like, first-level English, um, like, like, basic college English that everybody had to take, and so that's the only reason I passed that class, the only reason I didn't go absolutely insane, um, that's how I feel like my mission was, (laughs) it was, like, a few years of experiences and, you know, hardships and learning and growth scrunched into 18 months. Um, it's obviously like it's a very unique experience, but I think you can also do this as not a missionary. I have this all the t- I've been through this all the time. This has happened, this happens to me all the time, right? I'm still going through really crazy things. We've all been through hell. I'm just gonna say it, right? We've all been through you know, we've all, at the very least, we've all been through pandemic, right? Like, we're all experiencing hardships in our lives, and so being able to, um, look at somebody else's life and say, dang, 
like they're going through a lot what can I do to help um or you know will me helping actually help or should I just back off should I just text them and say hey I love you and if you need me let me know like truly understanding what people need and listening to what they need and not what you think they need um is definitely a Christ-like attribute (laughs) um This sentence kind of bugged me, so I want to talk about it. He says, It is true that all the children of God are blessed in one way or another, but there is a difference between being blessed and being richly blessed in his service. I have a problem with hierarchy of blessings. (laughs) Because I feel like that easily leads to pride of being like, well, I'm being richly blessed. You're only being blessed. And I think that leads to, you know, us feeling like we are superior, morally superior, because, you know, we're members of the church. And so only our church has the actual priesthood. And, like, while we may think that, while we we believe that, like, there are ways to be like, yeah, we have a lot of the truth, right? We have, we believe that we have the full truth of Christ's church. But we ain't perfect. I'm not perfect. And we are not perfect in using the full breadth of Christ's church and Christ's gospel. You know, there's a way to humbly be like, yeah, we have all of it. What are we going to do with it? Um... And I think the same goes with, like, richly blessed. Like, I, I think there are differences in, in like, blessings, right? And, and that's going to be different for everybody. Like, I might be blessed, like, it rains. And I'm like, wow, blessing. I love, I love rain. I, you know, my garden needs moisture or whatever. That's a blessing for me. And it might be a rich blessing for someone else. Like, a farmer who's like, oh, thank the Lord. It hasn't been raining. We need rain for our crops. Like, that might be a rich blessing for him. And I think it is just different for everybody. Um, And of course, as always, it's how we use it and how we let it impact our lives. And if we're like, wow, I'm getting really richly blessed right now. How can I bless others with that? Or how can I glorify God? People are like, wow, I'm really grateful that you got this. Like, wow, yeah, so am I. I'm really grateful to God. Like, I'm so grateful that God, you know felt fit to bestow upon me this rich blessing right um and so I just I just hate that like hierarchy of like well I'm being richly blessed because I'm serving God and you're not like that's just kind of it depending on how you use it and how you look at it it can become an us versus them dichotomy of like well, they're only being blessed. I'm being richly blessed because I'm serving. You know, you don't you don't know. They are probably serving God and their blessings just look different. And he actually I and I like that later, a couple paragraphs later, he says, God truly blessed me richly. And I learned that the blessings of the Lord can come different, come in ways different from how we expect. After all, his thoughts are not our, our thoughts. So in our lives, in our lives and in the lives of others, like often we have this preconception of, well, if I do this, this is the blessing I'm going to get. And that doesn't always happen that way, right? Um, and so, 
we have to be open to seeing all of the blessings and how be like, oh, well, maybe he's blessing me like this because of this. Like, oh, wow, I didn't even think he was going to do that. That's cool. And so we also have to apply that to other people's lives. They're like, oh, well, they're doing that. And I think they should be getting this. Or we kind of reverse engineer it, right? We're like, oh, well, they're getting this blessing. So they must be doing this thing. And that's not necessarily all the truth. Or it's like, oh, well, they're not getting blessed in this way. Then they're not must be. They must not be faithful. You know, they're not having kids. Then they must not be faithful. Or they're not um, being blessed financially. It must mean that they're not paying their tithing. Whatever that may be, right? Like, we we use it to judge other people. And I I'm not all, I'm not all for that. <laughs> um, and so. <laughs> I guess I want to use that as a question of a kind of call out question for yourself of like how, you know, do you ever judge others based on the blessings they are or are not receiving? Um, And how can you change that perspective? Are you judging others on the blessings they are or are not receiving? And how can you change that perspective? Um... I am bad at this, I need to work on this, like this, usually these questions are like, I am myself reflecting on this, right, like how am I judging others based on the blessings that they are or are not receiving and how can I change that? Um, because he, so he goes on to talk about some of the blessings he got as, a, as serving as a full-time missionary, he talks about like optimism and um, he lost his fear of teaching, and he, um, anyway, and then his last thing is, and I learned from myself that God is a God of miracles, and I adore that phrase, that, um, I just love that phrase, God is God of miracles, I just love like always like filling things in like god is a god of miracles god is not a god of coincidences god is god of love god is a god of intention god is a god like those kind of phrases right because you think it starts to really paint a picture of the nature of god um that i absolutely absolutely adore and because God is God of miracles, like, he is working miracles in everybody's lives. He's working in your lives. He's working in the lives of the people that you are, may or may not be judging. <laughs> um, and it's on and on, right? Um, and so he says, oh, he says a little bit later, he's like, yes, God has blessed me richly, far beyond what I imagined, just as he will also bless. All, he will all those who humbly and prayerfully serve him. I am eternally grateful for God, to God for his goodness. Um, and I love that, like that, that promise of like, he's rich, he's blessed me, and he will also bless all those who humbly and prayerfully serve him. Like that is absolutely 100% a... Um, a promise right he will bless you um so it kind of ends talking more about how important missions are 
And here's the last kind of thing. Um, he says, I am not surprised that the Lord said to Thomas B. Marsh and to all of us, lift up your heart and rejoice for the hour of your mission has come. And so it's kind of hearkening back, obviously, bring it for full circle to what he talked about at the beginning of Thomas B. Marsh being, you know, told, lift up your heart and rejoice for the hour of your mission has come. Like, be excited. I'm calling you on a mission. And I think sometimes it can be hard to be excited about missionary work because it has been kind of, it is ingrained in us, right? We all feel like we're failing at it. We all feel like we're not doing enough. Um, and but like, I promise you, you can do it. <laughs> and it's, it's simple. It's simple things that are hard, but they're simple. It's like, it's just, it's reaching out to people. It's, you know, listening to the spirit in in um, in things that they that it might be whispering to you. It's you know, it, just doing little things like that. Um, even just now, as I'm thinking about this, like there's been little thoughts planted in my head. They're like, oh, I should take, I need to text that person, and I haven't talked to them in a while. And um, yeah, I I, I want to write about this and put it on my Instagram, or I want to you know, reach out to this, to this person in my ward and, you know, ask how they're doing and just, like, stuff like that, right? Um, that that is missionary work. That is gathering Israel. You are gathering people closer to the fold of God. Um, even if you can't completely see it, like, you are planting seeds. So, I hope you all have a great week. I will talk to you on Friday. Um, I'm talking to people today about being on my podcast, so I don't know if next, we probably won't have somebody, well, we'll see if we have somebody on Friday, there might be somebody on Friday, um, but we'll see, but hopefully in the next few weeks I will have some guests, which is very exciting, I'm super excited to hear from people, so um, I'll talk to you next time. so much for listening to this episode of general conference conversations be sure to follow and share us on um, any social media and if you like the show feel free to leave us a review or tell your friends until next time